Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Hello again, hushlings. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mishiru Mike. And as always, we're joined by that dude, Slick Frank Sanders. Hey, it's that dude, Slick Frank here. How you guys doing? Living the dude dream. Hell yeah, dude. Dudin' it up. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. If you tuned in last debriefing, we got into the Men in Black. They are the ominous group that work very diligently to cover up UFOs and alien sightings. This week, for debriefing 16, we are going to cover the Hollow Earth Theory. Our sweet, 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 sweet 16. Yeah, we threw a little curveball at you, Hushlings. We originally were going to go over the Vivalsburg Castle. We took a northern turn and a deeper route. Nazi Germany just wasn't in our taste buds this week. <laughs> As opposed to every other week. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, right. But before we crack open the crust, let's remind you to hit us up on all social medias. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find us and all the audio for every episode on our YouTube. We are doing very special things over there. You can also listen to the Declassified Discussions, where Declassified Dave interviews you hushlings about your paranormal and out-of-this-world freaky little stories, you little freaks. As always, you can reach out to us at our email at hushhushsociety at planetmail.com. Should you want to say hello, drop us a line, ask us to pick up a topic, anything. And one more thing, Hushlings, if you could, if you are an avid listener of our show, please feel free to go to your local podcast platform and leave us a rating. Some sort of review to tell us whether we're doing a good job or a bad job, what we should do better, or if we're just freaking amazing. It helps us to become a better show, and it also improves your listening experience. Let's jump into a hole, boys. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm claustrophobic. I am claustrophobic as well. Let everybody know that Frankie and I are claustrophobic. I'm totally cool with small spaces. I actually got stuck in a drainage pipe. In, no like, way! <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's not funny, I'm sorry. It's not. It made me claustrophobic. No, that's mad hilarious. What are you talking about? That's <laughs> wicked hilarious. Dave had all the shit streaming by his face all day. <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't a poop. It wasn't a poop pipe. <laughs> it was a drainage pipe that went under a road from my friend's house to a, a lake that we were ice skating on and playing hockey on. And I wanted to like climb through it and it was filled with a quarter of ice and we were able to like slide through it, but I got caught on the second attempt. I went through it like once. Hey guys, did you hear Dave got stuck in a shit pipe? <laughs> <laughs> was it like in the middle you got caught? Yeah. Oh, yeah, was, that's it was, terrifying. It was just right at the elbow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was right at... Yep. Oh my god! <laughs> I was wearing like a winter coat. It was just <laughs> shitty. Like you were like puffed up. Like it was bad. That's so scary. It he was. had the hood oh, up. Oh, dude, that would fucking. Yeah. All you saw was Dave's little face. It was a couple hour ordeal. Yeah. Really? A couple hours? Oh my god! I got stuck, bro. The hollow Earth theory is an idea proposing that the planet Earth is entirely hollow or contains a substantial interior space. It was suggested by Edmund Halley in the 1600s, who discovered Halley's Comet in 1758, that the Earth might consist of a hollow shell about 500 miles thick, with two inner concentric shells in an innermost core. That shell dummy thick. Like Russian nesting dolls, I guess? Yeah. That's a, that's yes. a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Atmospheres separate these shells, and each shell has its own magnetic pole, and each sphere rotates at different speeds. His notion was disproved first by Pierre Bourdieu in 1740, then definitively by Charles Hutton in his Scheihalian experiment around 1774. A little bit about this Scheihalian experiment that Mike mentioned. 
1735, Pierre Bouguer and Charles-Marie de la Caramine chartered an expedition from France to the Chimborazo volcano in Ecuador. They climbed the volcano in 1738. They conducted a vertical deflection experiment at two different altitudes to determine how local mass anomalies affected gravitational pull. And then later in 1748, he commented that his results had, quote, at least falsified the hollow earth theory. Later in 1772, a royal astronomer by the name of Neville Maskelyne proposed to repeat the same experiment to the Royal Society. In the same year, the Committee of Attraction was formed, and they sent a surveyor by the name of Charles Mason to find the perfect candidate for the vertical deflection experiment. Mason found another mountain named Shahalian, where the new experiment took place, and not only supported the earlier Chimborazo experiment, but had far better results. The only way to really describe this is what I was saying before, is to like actually go into it a second. I'm no physicist. None of us are physicists. <laughs> just to put it out there. Yeah, just to put it out there. The only way to really describe vertical deflection experiments, it measures a certain amount of how much gravity shifts by the local mass anomalies, such as mountains. So I guess the density, depending on where you are on Earth, but I still don't understand like what they do, and I probably never will. My question is, like, how, how did these tests falsify hollow earth theory i i mean i guess you got to be a, a physicist to understand maybe but yeah something to do with the gravitational fields it's some serious physics it's kind of weird that the guy who discovered Halley's comment also came up with this theory of hollow earth that was a big part that was a big portion of it yeah that's interesting it's very interesting how he's the first proposed in modern day science do you think that gives the theory a little bit of validity, or, or are you saying otherwise? No. <laughs> That's just interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I, just I an it's interesting just, tidbit. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. It was still occasionally defended through the mid-19th century, notably by John Cleve Sims Jr. and Jeremiah N. Reynolds. But at the time, it was considered of popular pseudoscience and no longer scientifically viable. It's interesting that Edmund Halley was the one that kind of like proposed it, but there's plenty of accounts with ancient cultures that go along kind of with the hollow earth theory. I just wonder how he all of a sudden came up with that theory. Well, I mean, I, I feel like people that discover these kind of things, like their their brains just never stop, you know? They're always just questioning things on a, on a much larger, greater scale, I feel like. But at the same time, how do you wake up one morning and go, well, <laughs> but what if it's not dense? Sounds a little hollow. I've been stomping around on the ground and hearing a little echo. Maybe he just didn't know he had a basement. <laughs> <laughs> well, going a little bit farther back, in ancient times, the concept of a subterranean land inside Earth appeared in mythology, folklore, and tons of legends the idea of a subterranean realm seems arguable and became intertwined with the concept of places of origin or afterlife such as the greek underworld the nordic savarta hammer and the christian hell according to the ancient greeks there were caverns under the surface which were entrances leading to the underworld and it is said that there are caverns occupied by an ancient god called zalmoxis a good name. Yes, very strong name. Yeah, it actually strong. sounds like some sort of uh, prescription drug. <laughs> <laughs> Zalmoxis may cause rashes over your eyeballs. And death. Your eyes may <laughs> pop within three days. See a doctor. In Celtic mythology, there is a legend of a cave called Cruahan, also known as, quote, Ireland's Gate to Hell, a mythical and ancient cave from which, according to legend, strange creatures would emerge and be seen on the surface of the earth. In Hindu mythology, the underworld is referred to as Patala. The Taino from Cuba believe their ancestors emerged in ancient times from two caves in a mountain underground. Some hollow earth theories suggest that the subterranean world is a peaceful place. A common name for this subterranean civilization is Agartha, which is said to be derived from Aryavartha, a Hindu place of origin. 
Aryavartha is closely related to Shambhala, which is roughly translated into place of peace. In Russian and Chinese folklore, they have similar places mentioned. Natives of the Torbahan Islands believe that their ancestors had come from a subterranean land through a cavern hole called Obukula. Mexican folklore also tells of a cave in a mountain five miles south of Ohinaga and that Mexico is possessed by devilish creatures who came from inside the earth. Dude, does that sound like, like Chupacabra? Chupa. Jeepers creepers. But isn't there like a some type of devilish entity that's not Chupacabra in Mexico too? There's a UFO sighting that's super famous. I think it's in like central Mexico where they saw this white ET looking thing running around the streets. With the red eyes? Yeah. Also in an ancient German myth, some mountains located between Esnach and Gotha hold a portal to the inner earth. They are about 35 miles east-west of each other. I looked them up on a map, actually, and got the distance. They're not too far away. Really? Pretty close. We always talk about ancient beliefs and folklore and stuff like that, and I always look at it as there has to be some sort of truth variance to the stories that are told, especially if you're looking at cultures from across the world that all have kind of the same stories, just with slight differences. It's like when you look at pyramids that are across the globe, or you look at different hieroglyphics or or things of that sort in different ancient sites. It's like a thread of similarity. Yeah, it's it's very it's similar to story. Yeah, it's very it's very consistent. And you have slight differences obviously because they're going to associate it to their culture and to their gods and to their their beliefs and whatnot. But there's always the underlying topic which is the same across all of it. It'd be different if you could say, "Okay, well, this story really only a product of the Americas or this story is only really a product of Europe." But you have such a a variety of different cultures. You have ancient Greek, Celtic, Hindu, the Caribbean and Cuba. You have German and Russian and Chinese. That is a lot of different ethnicities and nationalities. Pretty much every continent. And when it comes to belief systems in a lot of those places, you're talking about people that come from the sky or angels or star people, or there's a lot of similarities in all those cultures, whether it's this hollow earth theory or something from above. We're too small to be not connected in some way, shape or form. I would say there's a big correlation that goes across all these stories, and it follows the saying of as above, so below. If you look to the heavens, oh, there's gods that live up there. That's a beautiful place. That's where you end up, you know, heaven and blah, blah, blah. Well, the opposite of that would have to be underground, and then you expand on those stories, and that's where evil comes from. It's opposites. The only thing about these, some of these stories, though, is that the inner earth is a peaceful place. So that would have no correlation with hell or anything in an evil place. That's only seen from, like, one of these origin stories, right? Yeah, like we said, the Mexican folklore, they were saying that devilish creatures came from inside of the earth. There's an account, a modern account of a guy that says he encountered a civilization there that we're going to get to. They weren't violent, but they were not happy with the fact that we were violent. I can't ignore the fact that this is very closely descriptive of what was that author's name? Shaver from our Men in Black episode. Shaver's story about the Daros. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. In Native American mythology, it is said that the ancestors of the Mondan people in ancient times emerged from a subterranean land through a cave. On the San Carlos Apache Indian Reservation in Arizona, near Cedar Creek, it is said to lead inside the earth to a land inhabited by a mysterious tribe. It is also the belief of the tribes of the Iroquois that their ancient ancestors emerged from a subterranean world inside the earth. The Hopi also believe that an entrance in the Grand Canyon exists, leading to the underworld. The list goes on. Consistency, consistency. They all talk about either above or below, like you said. It's just super interesting that there are so many different cultures that mention this same exact thing. I feel like it's more far-fetched that all of them would just make it up. I feel like it's more far-fetched that they would all make up something so similar if there were absolutely no truth to it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
we're a small planet. If you have an account from, say, the Chinese, and then even just you're not on the total opposite side of the planet, but even the Celtic people, like or Germanic, you're seeing the same stuff and you're talking about the same stuff. There's got to be something going on subterranean that has a common denominator. Now that we've touched on some of our ancestral beliefs on the hollow earth, getting into more of the theories of it, Cyrus T., a doctor from upstate New York, proposed a concave hollow earth in 1869, calling his scheme cellular cosmogony. Cellular cosmogony, which is Teed's unique rendition of hollow earth theory, puts forth the idea that earth and the universe are contained within a concave sphere. Teed founded a group called the Korshan Unity based on this notion, which he called Korshanity. <laughs> How original. <laughs> Teed's out there with these crazy ideas, but then when it comes to the name of his group, he just kind of spitballs. <laughs> concave theory i looked it up a little bit and it's kind of like what you'd see in a lot of the older 16 1700 models of hollow earth you've seen the pictures of it it's like a bubble two holes at the top and the bottom it's in a lot of ancient drawings so i guess that's the only way to really describe it without going into physics as well the main colony survives as a preserved Florida State Historic Site at Estero, Florida, but all of Teed's followers have now died. Teed's followers claim to have experimentally verified the concavity of the Earth's curvature through surveys of the Florida coastline. Several 20th century German writers, including Peter Bender, Johann Lang, Karl Newpert, and Fritz Braut, published works advocating the hollow Earth hypothesis. It has even been reported, although apparently without historical documentation, that Adolf Hitler was influenced by concave hollow earth ideas and sent an expedition in an unsuccessful attempt to spy on the British fleet by pointing infrared cameras up in the sky, as well as the question of maybe them building Antarctic Nazi bases. Yeah, I, I've heard that before, that Hitler was enthralled with these ideas of the hollow earth and the concave earth theory. Not to dive into Nazi, uh, <laughs> not to dive mm -hmm. too much into Antarctic Nazi bases or anything, but that's also like another correlation to this hollow earth thing. Like it was just said, Hitler had this thought that there was a hollow earth and he believed in the concave theory. And there's also the talk of nazis having antarctic bases and these huge caverns which they were setting up bases in in antarctica is that like another point of correlation i mean it feels like it we talk about the ancient cultures who believed in it and how it how it correlates across timelines and similarities and whatnot and now this is more of a correlation because hitler sent soldiers to antarctica to kind of do the same thing it seems like a pretty solid parallel yeah for sure the Egyptian mathematician Mustafa Abdelkader wrote several scholarly papers working out a detailed mapping of the concave earth model. This man was dedicated. There's a few folks on this great hollow earth that propose the theory. Leon Sprague de Camp, an American sci-fi writer, and Otto Oscar Ley, a German-American science writer, best known for his books on rocketry and related topics. But he also wrote a number of books on cryptozoology and pseudoscience. Yeah, they claimed in their book Lands Beyond that Leonard Yule, a Swiss mathematician, physicist, ast astronomer, geographer, and engineer, proposed a hollow earth idea, getting rid of multiple shells and postulating an interior sun 620 miles across to provide light to advanced inner earth civilizations. Holy shit. Yeah. That's out there. And coming that's from somebody that qualified in so many fields, that's pretty astounding. That's not uncommon to have people that are kind of well-established in their fields and stuff start to say these outlandish things. I wonder if that is the burden of really intelligent people. <laughs> they get to a point where it's just like, oh, all I do all day is scientific experiments and try to figure these things out and equations. And then I go home and I think about creatures and <laughs> uh, hollow earth and <laughs> 
just these wild things that could possibly be going on. I, I personally, if I was doing that stuff on the daily, I would probably come home and want to see something that was not scientifically proven. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You gotta spice up your life, right? Have a little fun with it. Sir John Leslie proposed a hollow earth theory in his 1829 Elements of Natural Philosophy, but does not mention the previously mentioned interior suns. And then in 1781, Lee Clerk Milfort led a journey with hundreds of Creek Indians to a series of caverns near the Red River above the junction of the Mississippi River. According to Milford, the original Creek Indian ancestors are believed to have emerged out of the surface of the earth in ancient times from the caverns. Milford also claimed that the caverns they saw could easily contain 15 to 20,000 families. How do you picture what 20,000 families looks like? I have no clue, but he had Milford he had the did. Technology. He had the technology. Those are really big caverns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even if they're like three-person families, that's a lot of people. Well, yeah, 20,000 20, three-person families. So you're talking forty-five uh, to 60,000 people could fit in that cavern. I still can't picture how, ma how many people that is. Yeah, if you had a family of four. If you had, had 20,000 families of four, it's 80,000 people. That's... If you have been an OG hushling with us and has been around since we've put out those fact cards that we did in the beginning months of the podcast, you would know about John Cleve Sims. In 1818, he suggested that the Earth consisted of a hollow shell about 810 miles thick, with openings about 1,400 miles across at both poles, with four inner shells at each opening of the poles. Sims became the most famous of hollow earth proponents, and Hamilton, Ohio, even has a monument to him and his ideas. Now, 1,400 miles, the earth is what, only 8,000 or so miles wide, and it's 24,000 in circumference, but it's relatively small, 1,400 miles, wouldn't you see that if NASA was real? <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> um... <sighs> mm. William Fairfield Warren, in his book Paradise Found, The Cradle of the Human Race at the North Pole, in 1885, presented his belief that humanity originated on a continent in the Arctic called Hyperborea. That sounds like a dope place. Hyperborea. That's where I want to go. I want to go to Hyperborea. A continent in the Arctic called Hyperborea. So are, are they implying that it was a different continent then? That doesn't exist now, or it's named something else? Possibly. There's also nods to the hollow earthen pop culture in the movie Journey to the Center of the Earth, which is based off of a classic science fiction novel by Jules Verne. It was first published in French in 1864, then reissued in 1867 in a revised and expanded edition. Edinburgh University professor Sir Oliver Lindenbrook believes that he found a very old message from a long-lost scientist who may have found the way to the journey of the center of the earth. A little quote from the book. There they will find fantastic creatures, exotic plants, the lost city of Atlantis, and a foe who wants to keep knowledge of this underworld to himself. Imagine if that's where Atlantis is. Atlantis is inside the Earth. It's underground. Well, you know, I again, not not to get too into the, the pop culture-ness of it, but Kong versus Godzilla is about to come out. And in case you guys didn't know, Godzilla lives at Atlantis. And King Kong is going to earn the title of King, a.k.a. King of the Hollow Earth. What's up, playa? That's what's up. I do want to point out there is like a loose connection to maybe the description of Atlantis and Hollow Earth. So when they describe Atlantis, or when Plato described Atlantis, he said that there were three concentric circles that the city was made of. So I wonder if maybe the concentric circles are the concentric shells of the Earth. Yo. Never thought about that. Never thought about that. 
Like, I know that, that there have been so many proposed locations of where Atlantis could be. They said that it could be somewhere in the desert of Africa and in the Mediterranean and all this other stuff. But, like, just looking at the description of what Atlantis was, the three concentric circles that surrounded the city. It could have been a metaphor. Yeah. I'm wondering. Let's say that you went in to one of the entrances in, in one of the poles. Okay. You went into, into one of the entrances or even, even an entrance found somewhere on the earth. Yep. And you had to go through three different gates. Let's call them gates. You had to go mm -hmm. through three different entrances, meaning that you were going through three different shells of the inner earth mm -hmm. to get to the city of Atlantis. It changes the entire perception of it being three inner harbors of what the actual, like, account of Plato would say it would be. But he didn't really say it was three inner harbors. I think that's the modern interpretation mm -hmm. if you were going to have a city. But if you're going to have a whole planet, then, yeah, it makes – that's – dude, you just – That's a genius just, connection. Mystery Mike just blew a Sims hole through my brain. You oh, might have just goodness. solved it. Yeah, you might have done it. Yeah, two birds Hold with on. one stone, right there. I'm getting a phone call from the FBI right now. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> I just got a text. Shut the fuck up. Keep quiet about that shit. Hey, hey, stop now, or else. After we dove deep into our tangent, <laughs> uh, there's some other people that proposed hollow earth theory as well in the 1900s. Marshall Gardner, who wrote A Journey to the Earth's Interior in 1913 and published an expanded edition in 1920 you know could these guys get like more original titles i guess like journey to the center of the earth journey to the earth's interior it's just very descriptive they yeah. want you to know what the book is yeah. about around the same time vladimir ubrichev wrote a novel titled plutonia in which the hollow earth possessed an inner sun Ooh, new things guys and it was inhabited by prehistoric species Somebody else mentioned the inner sun. Yep, like 600 miles across. It was part of the concave theory, I believe. Leonhard Ull proposed an interior sun 620 miles across. I wonder if good old Vladimir borrowed an idea from our Swiss mathematician. Could that be a, a loose interpretation of the Earth's core? They talk about it being like an iron hmm. molten core super dense and the only thing we know that's i mean like obviously planets are dense but the only thing we know that's more dense than that is obviously like black holes but stars uh, that would kind of make sense in a in a weird way the makeup of a star and its properties it would make weird sense because let's say that there was not necessarily a star but the makeup of a star something something that shares the same everything it would also have a huge gravitational or electromagnetic force, which the electromagnetic force of Earth also comes from the core. Maybe there is a sun in the middle of the Earth. Okay, so that I like that thought. If you're proposing that the core is the sun of the hollow Earth and that there's a gap between the core, which is the sun... And the outer mantles or the crust that make up whatever roof there is of the hollow earth, then how are volcanoes explained? Are there just hot molten pockets in the core above hollow earth that just kind of seep out out of the outer crust? Or the idea of a small sun in the middle of the earth is fucking asinine. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. The explorer Ferdinand Ossendowski wrote a book in 1922 titled Beasts, Men, and Gods. Sounds like us. <laughs> We're all of the above. Ossendowski said he was told about a subterranean kingdom that exists inside the Earth, Atlantis. <clears throat> uh, George Papashvili, in his Anything Can Happen of 1940, claimed the discovery in the Caucasus Mountains of a cavern containing human skeletons, quote, with heads as big as bushel baskets, end quote, and an ancient tunnel leading to the center of the earth. 
there be giants. Have you guys how? ever seen a bushel basket? I was just going to say, how big is a bushel basket? <laughs> it depends on I'm the bushel sure basket I'm sure they're bigger want. than our heads. They're definitely bigger than our heads. A bushel of what? So let's just let's just say that this person thinks that giant lemon heads are walking around. You, have, you guys ever heard of the story of the lemon head? That's a fucking, that's a weird cryptid paranormal thing that we should fuck with. But that also brings up another idea that kind of goes with Hollow Earth is the existence of a land within the Earth that houses giants. That's something that we haven't talked about because it kind of seems outlandish. But at the same time, giants kind of already exist in our world. You know, you've seen like eight, nine foot people. Have you ever seen the skeletons of the giants? The pictures of the giant skeletons. I, I, I've seen a couple of them that seemed kind of legit. I also wonder how legitimate those photos are. I know some of them have obviously been photoshopped, but like you said, there are a lot of those photos that are pretty, they look pretty valid. I can't sit here and say there were definitely no giants that existed. There had to have been something of that sort. You would think so. Yeah, and that's another one of those piece of lore that is kind of worldwide within itself also and spans across different cultures is the existence of giants. What better place for giants to live in than in massive caverns and massive open spaces within the earth? Here's the one problem I have with that, right? I think it's a great idea, but I feel like there would be somewhat of a restriction of oxygen flow. And throughout history, uh, you know, I'm talking different Triassic periods of time and whatnot. When there was more oxygen on the planet, life forms grew to be bigger. Maybe it's different with giant bipedal humanids, but I feel like with the, the lack of oxygen or the restriction of oxygen anyway, I don't know if they'd be able to grow huge. I feel like if anything, they'd be smaller. No, that's an interesting point because the reason why dinosaurs were so big and things in prehistoric periods were so much larger was the oxygen content in the atmosphere. It was there was there was more oxygen. Yeah, that's not putting into account if there's an actual physical atmosphere, then they're breathing oxygen. There are many examples of underground or within cavern systems of entire ecosystems that are different than the surface of the earth. That's very true. I completely neglected that fact. That's true. So if you so let's say that you have a very vast void under let's say a few miles of of the earth's crust, you have this mass void and at the poles you also have those entrances. So it's not like it's completely a closed off system. There is a way to get water. There is a way to get air, oxygen. There's also different entrances throughout the planet. As it said, there's almost like little breathing holes that <laughs> that could possibly be leading to a hollow earth ecosystem. Well, there's plenty of accounts of people. I mean, human beings like whether whether they're human beings or not that live below the surface. There's plenty of accounts of human beings going underground. There's air holes and there's a place I think it was on an ancient aliens episode, David Childress. But <laughs> there was a place somewhere in Italy that I've been to a place called Montezuma's Castle in Arizona. And it mm. was built by Native Americans. It was actually built by all Native American women. But it's built into the side of a cliff. And there's seven or eight levels. It's almost like an apartment building, like a modern apartment building. I've seen pictures of that. I've been to that right, right up in front. You can literally walk into the foundations of the bottom floors. And if human beings were able to do that, imagine if there was a civilization that was kind of human, but maybe had the technologies of all these legends that you hear of from the past and they're living underground. That's kind of like if you think about like Petra in Jordan, that 1500, 2000 year old city that is literally carved into a mountain. And when you look at Petra, you can see pictures online, you can see video, obviously. But if you look at Petra in particular, there's photos of everyday people standing next to the entrances of Petra and the doorways, the entrances are meters high. Yeah. If you have a 15 to 20 foot tall entrance into a city that's built into a mountain, why such a huge, huge doorway 
for such an ancient city. Especially if you go back through time, humans evolutionarily were shorter throughout history. We're only growing as we go. So why the massive doorways? Why the massive entrances into these places? Is it just to give that feeling of vast structure or is it something else? Was it built for a different purpose? It could absolutely be either or, or for a different purpose. And by the way, cities built into the side of mountains, that's insane. That's crazy. It just, it, that's, that still blows my mind. Hushlings will return after this short message. Hey y'all, hey, it's your girl Tamara Dawn, host of Tamara Till the Break of Dawn podcast. Now join me every Thursday on your favorite podcast platform and hop on my train of thought as I talk about the foolishness I'm going through and the ways I'm trying to grow. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tamara underscore the underscore Dawn. Now every other letter is an A in Tamara, but make sure y'all check me out every Thursday on your favorite podcast platform. Hello and welcome to the Fun Time Horror Show. I'm your host, Tommy Bell. Don't let the name deceive you as nothing about our stories are much fun. In this podcast, we'll discuss true life horrors across the board. This show should be a good mix of stories covering true crime, haunted houses, cannibals, serial killers, cults. It doesn't really matter to us. If you like the macabre, horror, violence, general grossness, well, this is your show. We also refuse to stick to a format as to keep things feeling fresh and interesting. The plan is to release one new episode every two weeks, so we hope to see you then. Remember, that's the Fun Time Horror Show. No kids allowed, and listener discretion is extremely advised. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. We have a few more people that proposed the Hollow Earth theory in the 1900s, one being novelist Labsang Rampa and his book The Cave of the Ancients, where he said an underground chamber system exists beneath the Himalayas of Tibet, filled with ancient machinery, records, and treasure, as well as Michael Grumley, a cryptozoologist who also has linked Bigfoot and other hominid cryptids to an ancient tunnel system underground. What's interesting about that, the ancient machinery part, uh, something that we're probably going to cover later on, there's accounts of hearing ancient machinery in Skinwalker Ranch below it. Yeah, I remember that. That's really interesting. And if you haven't heard of Skinwalker Ranch, it's in Utah, I believe. There's supposedly a bunch of mutilations and dark apparitions showing up and portals opening up, some weird shit going on there. But the number one thing that I just heard when you said that was ancient machinery Mm -hmm. and people have heard that and then there's the whole phenomenon with the whole skyquake thing that you hear where you hear metal on metal in the air a lot of weird shit and people have said that that's the magnetic field shifting did they ever prove what's going on with that they never proved or disproved anything the last couple of episodes they pretty much chain up a llama and wait for it to get mutilated and it doesn't get mutilated are you talking about jurassic park Oh, no, that was a that was a goat. <laughs> that was a goat. <laughs> Since we've been talking about all this machinery and all these things going on underneath the ground, let's talk about a little bit about UFOs and aliens. And it wouldn't be uh, a hush hush society episode without aliens. <laughs> According to the ancient astronaut writer Peter Colosimo, a robot was seen entering a tunnel below a monastery in Mongolia. Colosimo also claimed a light was seen from underground in Azerbaijan. This guy gets around. Mongolia's far as hell from Azerbaijan. (laughs) It was some drunk Mongolian during Halloween. He put like a cardboard box over himself and beep bop, beep bop. (laughs) Awesome. Colosimo and other ancient astronaut writers such as Robert Chereau, a French author, linked these activities to UFOs. A book by Dr. Raymond Bernard, which appeared in 1964, The Hollow Earth, tells the ideas of UFOs coming from inside the Earth 
as well as speculation on the fate of Atlantis and the origin of flying saucers. That's what I'm talking about, boys. We've talked about this before, how there is the possibility that the reason that we see these UFOs around Earth is maybe that they are here. They could be inside the Earth. They could be inside the hollow Earth. We keep talking about Atlantis. I think we're going to have to do an Atlantis episode. Dude, I would love to do an Atlantis episode. Please, let's do an Atlantis episode. Let's do it. We're going to delete the rest of season two and just do four more Atlantis episodes plus the live show. (laughs) The Shaver Mystery, boys. The Shaver Mystery. The science fiction pulp magazine Amazing Stories promoted one such idea from 1945 to 1949 as the Shaver Mystery. Ray Palmer ran a series of stories by Richard Sharp Shaver, our good old friend there, claiming that a superior prehistoric race had built a system of caves in the earth and that their descendants, known as Darrow, live there still, using the fantastic machines abandoned by the ancient races to torment those of us living on the surface. Here come the men in black. They're just terrible neighbors, like, we're just going to make a bunch of noise and hope they move out. (laughs) I've had a bunch of those here. (laughs) But that's interesting. We just talked about the Daros and the Men in Black debriefing. So here we go again. Here come the Men in Black again. It's just odd correlations, man. I'm telling you. And it's it, maybe it's because when you get into certain conspiracy theories and certain outside-the-box thoughts, they kind of link up with other things and, and you see the correlation there. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of these things that you just can't ignore how similar and how they go together. It's crazy. Speaking of you saying that, again, putting together another mystery We keep referencing all the documentaries that Jeremy Colbert does, whether it's Flying Saucers in Bob Lazar or Hunt for the Skinwalker, which we were referencing earlier. As one characteristics of this torment describes voices that perpetually came from no explainable source. Now, in Hunt for the Skinwalker, they talk about on Skinwalker Ranch where there's voices of a certain language just above their heads in the air. So that's really strange that that kind of correlates together, too. That's fucking echoing, man. That's echoing. Yeah. Unexplainable voices in the air? (laughs) I like when they send up, like, microphones on uh, weather balloons. Thousands of readers wrote that they, too, had heard voices from inside the earth. Well, all you thousands of readers, please email us at hushhushsociety at planetmail.com. I want to hear about your voices from inside the earth. (laughs) Plot twist, they're all schizophrenic. (laughs) The writer David Hatcher Childress authored Lost Continents and the Hollow Earth in 1998, in which he reprinted the stories of Palmer and defended the Hollow Earth idea based on alleged tunnel systems between South America and Central Asia. Wow, that's a big tunnel system. Did they go like all the way across? That's not like the Denver airport no, to LA. No, that's, like, what? I mean, that's a massive... Yeah, that's a massive tunnel system. That's across half the planet. Have you ever seen the underground tunnel system that goes under America? I've seen maps of it. That's massive in itself. Have you seen that there are massive amounts of abductions at a lot of the entrances of this tunnel system? Yeah, how they correlate. Yeah. I just thought I'd throw that out there. I want to do a show about underground tunnel systems, too. We have a Denver airport episode planned. Our live show is actually the Denver airport. I don't know if we can disclose that, but our live show was the the Denver airport for this season. Tune in March 29th. So hollow earth, hollow earth, hollow earth, right? How do you get to the hollow earth? You don't need a key. You don't need a pin code. You don't need a password. There's entrances. Hollow Earth proponents have claimed a number of different locations for the entrances which led inside the Earth. Other than the North and South Poles, which we have previously mentioned, entrances and locations which have been cited include France, England, Canada, China, and the Amazon rainforest. Which we've mentioned all of those previously. Wherever there's a cave, there's probably, I mean, depending on how deep that cave goes... 
I want to take a second just to talk about one of the entrances of the supposed entrances that we have here right in the United States. And it was actually pointed out by a person on the internet that I was speaking with, and they had mentioned Mammoth Cave. And Mammoth Cave is in Kentucky. Mammoth Cave has so many different nicknames as the Haunted Chambers, the Giant's Coffin, the Devil's Looking Glass, and the Bottomless Pit. It's a massive cave system in Kentucky that you can go into, and apparently there's this huge labyrinth of passages and crazy, crazy stuff around that cave. And there's even been different sightings around that cave and different things that that have happened around there. It's got a long, long history of very weird things going on around the entrance of that cave system. Is that why people suggest that it's an entrance to Hollow Earth because of sightings around it? Yeah, along with it being just really large, that was the whole thing is just how big it is. And a lot of, you know, hence the name Mammoth Cave. So, and then all the subsequent nicknames that it was given afterwards. There's a cave system that I've actually been in where you actually have to take an elevator down. It's called Howe Caverns, and it's about 50 or so miles west of Albany, New York, up in upstate New York. And it's in Howe, New York. And it's like this big house that almost looks like the house from The Shining, like the hotel, but smaller. And it's up on a hill, middle of nowhere, farms everywhere. And you just go to it, you pay money, you get in an elevator, and you go down a couple stories. It took about an hour and a half to like walk one way. And then you get in a boat, you ride through a river, you go to a waterfall that's three stories high, and you look down at a subterranean lake. It's huge. And then you turn around, and then you go back through this narrow passage that's almost like the slot systems that you see in deserts in the southwest. But you're all underground. And I did that back in, I think it was 2005. I mean, if you can create that, who knows what's underneath, man. It was was fascinating to me being 17, 18 years old. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I'm literally walking. A couple hundred feet underground, and there's just full passageways. And then I got on a boat. Jesus. Underground. Underground. Yeah. Check out how caverns. You upstate New Yorkers, you guys know what I'm talking about. One of the most famous accounts of the Hollow Earth theory, and one of the most credible because of who this person was, was Richard Byrd, who was an American naval officer and explorer. He was in the First and Second World Wars and took place in operations like Operation High Jump and Operation Deep Freeze. And I'm pretty sure Deep Freeze was the one where he actually found himself inside the Earth. One of the most popular pieces of evidence for Hollow Earth is a supposed secret journal entry by Admiral Richard Byrd, who claimed to be the first person to fly over the North and South Pole. According to believers, Byrd's secret journal from 1947 included a report of flying into one of the Sims holes and making contact with the race that lives inside the Earth. Admiral Richard Byrd allegedly wrote his encounter with a lost civilization in Antarctica, According to Byrd's Big Boy Diary, the government ordered Byrd to remain silent about what he witnessed during his Arctic assignment. Here's a little excerpt from his secret diary. March 11th, 1947. I have just attended a staff meeting at the Pentagon. I have stated fully my discovery and the message from the master. All is dully recorded. The president has been advised. I am now detained for several hours... 6 hours, 39 minutes to be exact, I am interviewed intently by top security forces and medical team. It was an ordeal. I am placed under strict control via the national security provisions of the United States of America. I am ordered to remain silent in regard to all that I have learned on the behalf of humanity. Incredible. I am reminded that I am a military man and I must obey my orders. Jesus, that's wild. Dude, they were they were like you found out. <laughs> That's a diary entry. Like that dude saw something. He's an admiral. Yeah. You don't just get there. Like how many admirals are there? And he was an admiral that the United States government literally told to shut up. <laughs> yeah, normally are aren't the admirals the guys that tell other people to shut up? And then on top of it, they told him to do these missions, and this is what he saw, and then they were just like, "Yeah. Hey, shut the fuck up." He claims to have met the master, which we explained before, the city's leader, who told him of his concerns about the surface world. This is another quote from his diary. 
Our interest rightly begins just after your race exploded the first atomic bonds over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. It was an alarming time. We sent our flying machines to your surface world to investigate what your race has done. You see, we have never interfered before your race's wars and barbarity, but now we must. You have learned to tamper with a certain power that is not for your man, mainly that of atomic energy. Our emissaries have already delivered messages to the powers of your world, and yet they do not heed. Apparently, the government knew about the civilization Agartha before Bird did. Do that. That's even fucking crazier than, like, the UFO conspiracy, man. We know about the peeps underneath. Yeah. What? Now, do you believe in Bird's account? Yes. I think he's the most credible. I don't think that an admiral of the United States Navy would just go and say, yeah, I saw these things and I did these things, and especially an admiral. In the 40s, if he had come back and they didn't believe what he was saying, if he had made that all up and just was like, yeah, I'm just going to say these things and see what happens, they would have called him nuts. They would have had him committed. He would not be an admiral anymore. Yeah, your pension is on the line. I look at two different facts here. I look at the fact that the government heard his story and then told him to keep silent about it. And I look at the fact that he told his story and wasn't immediately committed and stayed an admiral. No, I I agree completely. I was just curious as to your guys' opinions. This is the only account that you hear where they talk about a civilization that is perturbed about atomic energy or us using nuclear weapons. It also goes consistently with UFO things. I guess they're not called UFOs anymore. I got corrected the other day. (laughs) And they're called UAPs. Aerial phenomenon. Yeah, unidentified aerial phenomenon. So I got corrected. Hillary Clinton sent me an email. She was the first one, I think, to say it on national TV or something like that. But she sent me an email that I deleted. (laughs) (laughs) That it's UAPs now. But whether you're talking about UAPs, UFOs, USOs, the phenomenon is here. And I hate to tie it into the UFO phenomenon. But if we're talking about craft that are coming out of the earth and you're talking about people that are ass hurt, that we're fucking using nuclear energy and atomic bombs. And then you're telling an admiral to shut the fuck up. So there's a lot of compelling evidence that there might be something going on underneath our feet. Like I said, we continue to draw these parallels to other stories. Like there's these accounts, like Dave had said, of the visitors, we'll call them, being interested in our atomic weapons. There have been accounts of at missile silo sites, UAPs or or, or (laughs) whatever you want to call them, showing up and shooting almost like an infrared laser at our missile silos to disable them. A few. Yeah, there's been one account in, what, the 80s, I believe, was one. And Yeah, that, that lines up really well with this guy's story. There were a bunch of accounts like that, especially after World War II. It all lines up. We went and dropped an atomic bomb. That resonates. That resonates. Oh, it creates definitely seismic shockwaves. And if you're thinking about the hollow earth, think about dropping a bomb right over what possibly could be only miles below that explosion. What possibly could be a city? Ooh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. What they could have felt, assuming that there is a city there and assuming that there is a civilization that's living there. Just imagine. Oh, yeah. The shockwaves. I mean, only put it into this perspective. Some of these accounts are saying the earth is 810 miles thick, 500 miles thick. Remember in 2000, was it 2010 or 2011 when Norfolk, Virginia had an earthquake and they felt it in Montreal? We felt it in Connecticut and it's very different. I mean, when you're talking in terms of geology, I mean, obviously the earth is not the same everywhere when it comes to geology. And if we can, if we can accept the fact that that's true, then that's one truth. But if you're going to accept the fact when it comes to seismology, rocks resonate differently depending on the composite of the rock you know granite moves differently than limestone or whatever i'm not a geologist but we felt that in norfolk virginia in connecticut all the way up to montreal and that's 500 600 700 and that's 500 miles or so you know like you're 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 talking some serious distances so when we have an earthquake here in california it could be 100 miles away and you don't feel it because the rocks are different when you're talking about the density of us dropping a bomb on something that's only 500 miles thick if that's the actual thickness of what the earth is 
before you get to another Earth, then Mm -hmm. absolutely you're exploding the same type of bomb over Nagasaki over a town that's underneath Nagasaki. You know, so it's... that's wild. It's fucking wild, man. Well, speaking of seismology, the picture of the structure of the Earth that has been arrived at through the study of seismic waves is quite different from a fully hollow Earth, but does not disprove the existence of substantial interior areas. The time it takes for seismic waves to travel through and around the Earth directly contradicts a fully hollow sphere. What we know is the evidence indicates the Earth is mostly filled with solid rock, a mantle and a crust, and a liquid nickel-iron alloy, our outer core, and a solid nickel-iron inner core. Again, bringing us kind of back to like, could that inner core, the solid nickel iron core, be an actual sun? The thing that gets me about, and and this is something that I recently learned, the thing that gets me about the structure of how the earth is, let's say the mantle and the crust and the core and all that other stuff. Apparently, from what I learned, and this is just really only reading from one source, apparently that's all just what we made up. It's theory. Yeah, we are not exactly sure what lies under the crust of the Earth. That's just us going and saying, well, we can reach a certain depth, so beyond that it must be something else, and beyond that it must be this. And it's really, just for lack of a better term, it's it's hearsay. Yeah. We can't predict earthquakes, so we don't know what's going on underneath. There's a guy on YouTube, if all you conspiracists are listening to anybody... I think this dude is right. I've been following him for about a decade. A guy named Dutch Sense on YouTube. And he does daily updates on earthquake science and how things move around and how elastic it is. And it makes the earth feel a lot more fluid than solid. If an earthquake happens subterranean, super, super deep in the stenosphere, I think that's one of the deeper parts of the earth. If it happens there, and that's the scientific term of it. But what happens if that's new New York? Like, who the fuck knows, mm. man? And then all of a sudden you have an earthquake and everybody down there is like ah shit and it's the same thing that happens with us dropping fucking nukes just to further the idea that that could be completely theoretical it said that on average from the surface of our planet to the core it's about four thousand miles the furthest we've ever drilled was eight miles the most we know is eight miles down out of an alleged possible four thousand Who's to say they know for sure what's down there off of vibrations? Another set of scientific arguments against a hollow Earth or any hollow planet comes from, yet again, another theory, gravity. Massive objects tend to clump up together gravitationally, creating non-hollow spherical objects such as stars and planets. I believe that's called accretion. When planets form, it's called accretion. The solid spheroid is the best way in which to minimize the gravitational potential energy of a rotating physical object. Having hollowness is unfavorable by gravity. Also, ordinary matter is not strong enough to support a hollow shape of a planetary size against the force of gravity. A planet-sized hollow shell with the known observed thickness of the Earth's crust would not be able to achieve hydrostatic equilibrium with its own mass and would collapse on itself. Also based upon the size of the Earth and the force of gravity on its surface, if any significant portion of the Earth were hollow, the average density would be much lower than of the surface rocks. So I guess they did that in the experiment on that mountain in Ecuador. That's where they could, I guess, disprove that the Earth is completely hollow. But again, as Frank says, gravity is a theory. It is. It is. Let's get into our fears and the darkness that we sometimes drift into in our lonely, lonely, sad lives when the lights go out at night before we close our eyes for all eternity. Uh, We fear a hollow planet. That made me really sad. Sorry. If it is... If it is to be believed that the Earth is in fact hollow and home to all matter of super race and megafauna, monsters, aliens, why have we never contacted them or gone there? According to some theorists, we have an international banking conspiracy working to cover up the existence of the hollow Earth and hide evidence of any Sims holes. Hold up. Banking conspiracy. Are you thinking that? same thing can you imagine that every central banking system is hiding hollow earth oh hey i'd like to deposit a hundred dollars into my wells fargo account 
shut the fuck up about Hollow Earth. <laughs> we should start writing Hollow Earth stuff on all of our money. Somehow it'll make its way back into the system. And it will bother the banking industry. Somebody will fold the $20 bill to make the Twin Towers and the Hollow Earth again. And somebody will, will make some connotation that, oh, look, our money system is hiding the fact that it's all real. Yeah, those dumbass people that fold money and think that they're onto something. Flatter yeah, bro. <laughs> they're showing you the Twin Towers on fire on a fucking $20 bill. Congratulations, you learned rudimentary geometry. <laughs> Money is not real. It's a figment of your imagination, bro. The connection that I was thinking of had to do with the MIB. When we got into the Men in Black episode, we had mentioned that there was a theory that they were agents working for a centralized banking agency. We did say that. If that is something that we draw back to with the MIB, I mean, (laughs) there's just so many things. There are so many conspiracies that may relate ultimately back to a hollow earth theory. So maybe, just maybe, by accident, really, we may have stumbled upon the conspiracy that spawns a lot of other conspiracies. Incredible. This sort of conspiratorial thinking tends to be hallmark among modern Hollow Earth believers because really there's no other force that can be keeping us from engaging with the wonders of the inner Earth, given our current level of technology and exploratory freedom. But do we really have exploratory freedom? It's fascinating. What do you guys think? What do you do you guys think the earth is hollow? Do you guys think the earth is dense? Do you guys think the earth is flat? Do you think it's a Borg Earth? Borg Earth. <laughs> yeah. You know. And Mike, I want to go with you first. Um, so scientifically, and and we keep repeating we are not scientists, we are not physicists or any of that jazz. But if you hold on to the science of it, it seems to point in the direction that a hollow earth is not feasible. I think there is a certain level where you have to suspend your disbelief and you have to suspend maybe the scientific logic of it. And I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but like we've said, gravity is a theory. The makeup of the the inner core and the inner workings of the earth is a theory and theories they can be proven wrong they are really just best guess when it comes to it at the end of the day there is a lot of evidence i think of the admiral bird account which i think is very credible that coupled with the air of mystery and the why does the treaty of antarctica exist why is nobody allowed to go there why is it only for quote scientific research and then the similarities and the correlation across timelines and cultures that talk about a hollow earth and that talk about an underworld i guess you could call it i think if you take all those facts and you take all those things together It makes for a very, very credible and a very believable theory, realistically. Like I said, you can look up different underground ecosystems that exist throughout the world. You can look up different cultures that lived underground throughout the world. You can look up these cavern systems, the underground tunnel systems. There is something to it. As far as, quote, hollow, maybe not hollow, but... Like we mentioned, there's these pockets of void that really can't be ignored. There, there's evidence to them. Well, we know human we know human beings can live and have lived and survived in subterranean places for uh, definitely a, a decent amount of time, whether it's been from attack from invaders or cataclysms from above or even just earth processes. I'm going to go with it's very probable. I'm not going to go 100%, but I am going to say it's very probable, maybe not in the hollow chocolate bunny way where there's nothing inside uh, except beautiful joy, but definitely there are pockets of voids and I think ecosystems could exist within those pockets and there could be civilizations. Frank, you tell us, you tell all of us, what do you think? 
Well, here's the thing. I don't think I could sum it up any better than Mike did. He hit it pretty much right on the head. We know more about the surface of our moon than we know about the floors of our oceans, let alone the interior of our planet. Pretty much everything that's out there to disprove this theory is theory itself. So that just kind of cancels each other out. I don't think it's impossible. And then you have Richard Bird's account, which is incredibly credible. I don't think it's entirely hollow nor am i completely sold on the fact that there is a sun to any interior civilizations only because i don't think that the earth is entirely hollow if it was then yeah the sun theory would work it being the core of the planet but if there's just little pockets i don't think each little pocket has its own little sun if there's civilizations that are able to live underground i don't think they need a sun I would lean towards, yes, kind of, hollow earth. I'm sold. I'd say I have to go with both of you. I mean, Mike spit out a ton of information. And I'd say, I don't think, like Frank said, I don't think that it's a full open void or a series of open voids like we describe in the Atlantean harbors and all those different concentric circles. But I think that there's definitely subterranean voids within the earth, whether it's underwater or just underground. We know of it. We've built them ourselves. How deep do they go and what's down there? We find ecosystems every year and new species every year that are popping up in not just underwater subterranean, but just places that have air. And then we find things on other planets. You look at a place like Europa, one of Jupiter's moons, or they're looking at Titan and all those places. Like Frank said, I mean, we know more probably about our solar system than we do about under the oceans, let alone under the earth. And when it comes to rocks and all that stuff, all you geologists, I'd love to hear what everybody thinks. We have a a mutual friend that's a geologist. I'll hit her up and and see what she thinks and maybe we'll make a post about it. But I I think that it's 50-50. I don't think it's a full void. We're 8,000 mile wide planet and most of us are on average five and a half feet to six feet tall. Uh, me, for example, I'm four, four and a half feet tall. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you, if you really think about it, we don't know anything. And <laughs> if, 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 if somebody like Admiral Byrd said, Hey, after years and years and years of whether it's aviation or uh, being in the Navy or, or anything like that, any of that training. And he's like, yeah, dude, I flew into the center of the planet. I met some folks and they talked. They're pissed at us that we that we fired some nukes. Everything all kind of boils down to the 40s, whether you're talking about the nukes and stuff. All the ancient cultures, they interpreted things way different than what we interpreted. We live off of meme culture and satire and bullshit. They didn't have that. Entirely possible that the earth could be a void not a void. I would say it's more entirely possible that there's hollow caverns with possible civilizations in it than it being flat. Well, Hushlings, that is going to do it for us on this episode. What did you think about the Hollow Earth? We want to hear your thoughts. We want to see your research. We want to hear your shit talking. (laughs) reach out to us on all our social medias you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter you can also find us on youtube reach out to us on our email hushhushsociety at planetmail.com looking forward to hearing from you drop us a line and we will chat hollow earth or any of the other topics that you may want to talk to us about Hushlings, don't forget to stay tuned to our Hush Hush Apparel on Instagram, where very shortly we will have Hush Hush Dapper Drip that you can put all over your body. Bro, I'm literally setting up the online store. Literally happening. I'm sorry that you guys have waited so long. We're getting it going. It's coming. We're getting it going. You're going to be able to put Hush all over your body. It's going to be great. Hushlings, one of our fellow Hushlings, has a small business called California Macaroons. You can devour her wonderful cookies and place an order. She is shipping nationwide in the continental U.S. Place an order today and be on the lookout for an exclusive line of macaroons called the Mystery Macaroons, where myself... Frank Sanders and Mystery Mike deliver our favorite flavors of desserts and you guys get to buy them. Stay tuned. Put us in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) You can check her out at www.californiamacaroons.com. 
Hushpod.com and stay tuned for an exclusive Hush Hush discount. Hushlings, thank you for joining us for Debriefing 16 Hollow Earth. Don't miss next time for Debriefing 17. We will be covering Mind Uploading, a.k.a. the Transfer of Consciousness. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Thanks for joining us on the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.